I've learned one thing from parenting. It's like you put your oxygen mask on first before you help your children around you. And to me, that was like resonated so much about what divorce coaching is because it's kind of taking that step back and assessing the situation as you go through it. of Access to Justice. I'm your host, Heather Malarick of Merrick Law. My co-host is Evan Clark of Kahane Law. We're joined today by our regular, very special guest, Kim McDonald of McDonald Advisory. Kim's a financial advisor and insurance advisor with Raymond James LTD. We're a Canadian podcast with a mission to educate Canadians about the law. We interview experts in law, mental health, and finance, focusing on topics that create the greatest barriers of entry into the justice system. You can find us on YouTube, on our A2J podcast channel, and online at a2jpodcast.com. I'm very excited to welcome today's guest, Kim McBain-Butts, who's going to be talking to us about divorce coaching. Kim is a certified divorce coach, divorce lawyer, registered collaborative lawyer, and a mediator. She's been working exclusively in family law for about 11 years, and she her experience includes a, a good amount of time working at the Edmonton Law Courts, assisting self-represented litigants uh, navigate the court system. Um, after experiencing the transformative impact of life coaching herself and knowing the struggles her clients faced, Kim believes that divorce coaching is one of the most underutilized resources for people going through a divorce or separation. Her specialty um, or focus um, in her practice is helping moms who've been blindsided or surprised by divorce um, to regain their sanity after the shock and to find some confidence in the myths of divorce. So, Kim, welcome. <laughs> We're Thanks, so Heather. happy to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm great. Thank you. The weather's good, you know, spring in Alberta. <laughs> Yeah, it almost feels like summer out there today. The sun is just shining. It's that beautiful blue sky. Right. Hi, Evan. How are you? I'm good, Kim. How are you? Nice, <laughs> to, nice to meet you virtually. Right. You too. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You were just telling us about a new addition to your family. Yes. A new dog. New to us. <laughs> I don't know if that makes her like a secondhand dog or <laughs> what, but yeah, we adopted a four-year-old dog just yesterday. So I'm hoping she, uh, thank you. I'm hoping she's quiet and well-behaved for this. Well, maybe she'll make a guest appearance. That'd be nice. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so divorce. Divorce coaching, Kim. This is exciting. I've, I've known you only in the collaborative law space. And um, Heather had mentioned earlier that you are in this different area of divorce. And uh, we're, we're totally excited to have you on this program today. And I think a lot of people are looking for this, this guide on their journey. What's a divorce coach? What's a divorce coach? Yeah, this is why, like... So many people, I think, have not heard of a divorce coach. And it, you know, it certainly isn't the first professional that people think of. Um, 
when they're separating. You know, usually it's like first call to the lawyers, <laughs> um, maybe therapists, right? And there's this sort of lesser known area of divorce coaching, but what is it? So, you know, it is, it is basically a process that is very goal oriented. So what I mean by that is people, they separate from their spouses, they call their lawyers, they show up in their lawyer's office, and they've spent zero time or very limited time thinking about what this looks like long-term for them and where they want to end up at the end of this, right? Um, so the divorce coach basically is the person who's kind of like a guide who can help them be future focused and sort of look at their interests. What do they want out of this? How do they want to look back on this process and figure out how to help them get there, help them self-discover it really. Um, so it's kind of like bringing a huge amount of awareness rather than being in the midst of the emotional roller coaster of the breakup, getting thrown into the legalese, not really taking a step back to um, examine that. I often, actually, I, I was looking back at a few things today and in preparation for this podcast, and I came across a quote from, um, I don't know if anyone's a fan of Schitt's Creek. <laughs> but, yeah. So I was, I had written down a quote from Moira Rose that was, and of, co of course it's Moira Rose, but it was like something along the lines of like, you have to put your, if I've learned one thing from parenting, it's like you put your oxygen mask on first before you help your children around you. And to me, that was like resonated so much about what divorce coaching is. Cause it's kind of taking that step back and assessing the situation as you go through it. Yeah. Mm. So, and you're a lawyer. Yes. Yeah. And a divorce coach. Yeah. When you're divorce coaching somebody, is that like totally separate from like, you're not providing legal services. You're just providing coaching services. Yes. So I either do one. Well, if you're a client of mine, you are either a law client or you're a divorce coaching client. Now, the reality is I use skills from divorce coaching with my law clients all the time, but you're one or the other. Okay. Because the lawyer's role is to give advice, right? Like the lawyer's role is very much advocate advice. Here's what you could do. Here's what you should do. Here are your options. Somebody's telling you what your options are and what the pros and cons might be. Whereas the divorce coach is helping you discover what you want and what your needs are, um, what your goals are for the process. And it might be something it's well beyond the scope of what a lawyer is trained to, to help you figure out. Kim, for our listeners, can you maybe give us an example or two of like what people might be working with you on that would be different from what they might be working with their lawyer on? Like an example of a goal. Yeah. So, um, one, one of the best examples I think are, I'll get it in sort of in the context of the, the collaborative divorce process, because I think, um, I think a lot of your listeners, this might resonate for as well too. Right. So 
in the collaborative divorce process, you have a moment, maybe 40 minutes, 50 minutes in your very first meeting where you talk about your interests and your goals. Right. Uh And a lot of people say, well, like, you know, I clearly think we should both have a good co-parenting relationship because it's clearly in the best interest of our kids. Right. Uh So a divorce coach will help unpack that a little bit, right? Like, what does that actually mean to you? What does that look like? How do you communicate with your ex? Like, what do you talk about? Right. Do you talk about it um, through email? Do you talk about it in writing? What are your thoughts about it? What are your thoughts about raising kids? Right. To really unpack, like, what is going on behind the just, oh, yeah, we'd like to be good co-parents. Right. Because it's one thing to say we'd like to be good co-parents. I think it's a whole other thing to figure out to how to go from where you're at right now to that space. Uh, right. So the lawyers are going to put together an agreement that might give you parameters, right? So the lawyers are going to say, yeah, you have little Johnny from, you know, (laughs) Sunday to Sunday, and then you switch. Right. But there's so much more to co-parenting than that. And I think the divorce coach can help you process your thoughts on that to help you make those better, better decisions, and even just help you make the decisions that are, that are required in the divorce process. Okay. So breaking down some of that stuff and then I guess figuring out how to get there and probably putting up some signposts for how, you know, (laughs) if you've, if you've gotten there, if you've achieved good co-parenting. Well, this is it. Like, so looking at what your goal is, Mm -hmm. right. Where you want to be looking at where you are now, and then bridging that gap between the two, right? So that can that can involve breaking an issue down into more bite-sized pieces, like you said, Heather. Um, it can help you kind of organize your thinking. Um, and it can help you widen your perspective so that you are making good decisions when your lawyers are asking you to make those decisions, right? Because mm-hmm. you're going to have a wider look at different perspectives, Um and sort of uncover things that maybe you didn't even know, didn't even know were under the surface. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I guess we've asked you, what's the difference between what you would do and what a lawyer would do. So yeah. what's the difference between how you might be helping a person through a divorce versus say their psychologist or a counselor or a therapist? Yeah. So the, yeah. so this is the divorce coaching is totally forward thinking, right? That's the biggest difference I would say is that a therapist might assist you with um, like traumas from your past, right? Um, They might be able to diagnose you with various conditions. Um, And there, like, there is some overlap, I think, between divorce coaching and therapy. Uh Um, But therapy is often like crisis intervention, um, you know, looking at abnormal behavior, dealing with trauma, evaluating, assessing, whereas the divorce coaching is like, okay, let's look at the divorce process and where do you want to go? Like, how are we going to get there? Um, and sometimes that involves like helping someone process their emotions, right? Like, okay, you feel like crap today. Uh Let's unload what you're thinking about and see how that is serving you to get to where you want to go. 
you know? Um, and so it can also help with communication with your, with your spouse communication strategies. Like how do you, how do you email each other? Right. How do you text each other? Um, you know, you have a lot of people who say like, when he or she does this, it drives me bonkers, you know, like he's doing it just to get under my skin. He or she is doing it just to piss me off. (laughs) Right. Uh And it's like, Uh okay, well, let's like take a step, look at that and say, Uh okay, what, what is it that's pissing you off about that behavior? right? Right. And it's kind of like going with your clients in the box, right? Like what is going on? What's angering you? Uh Like, why is that? And then sort of saying, okay, like, how do we move from there to a place where you don't, you know, (laughs) want to kill your spouse when you see them at parent exchanges? (laughs) Maybe, right. You can start choosing a different emotion. Maybe it may well be that your spouse is doing that because they, she knows that in the past it's made you angry, but you're maybe trying to help them find a different way forward in the future. Cause we can't make the spouse stop trying to make you angry. (laughs) And that's the thing. You can never control the other person. Right. Just not right. It is just not a thing. And no court order is going to make them how you want them to be. Right. Right. Like no court order, no settlement agreement is ever going to make that other person exactly how you think they should be. So I even, I've said to clients before too, like, you know, I had one client say to me, for example, like he goes, well, I think once we get the settlement agreement in place, things are really going to get better for us because it's all going to be in that document. And I think things will be a much smoother once we just, we just need to sign this agreement. And I just said to him, I said, well, like it's available to you now to have a better parenting relationship, whether or not we sign the agreement, because the paper doesn't change things. Right. And then the question becomes, how do we do that? What's stopping us from doing that now? Right. Um, yeah, I know what you're saying. I mean, sometimes there are like magical steps that happen in the divorce process that all of a sudden change things that does happen. Like for, for example, if the person that's supposed to be paying child support is just not reliably paying it, that creates all kinds of issues and anxiety for the person who's supposed to be receiving it. And so I've certainly had it where I've taken on a client and they didn't really understand child support. And then after I explained it to them and, and now they understand it's not something to mess around with, they start paying it. And all of a sudden the relationship improves. It's like magic. So there are like, sometimes there are like magic things, but that's not really the cause, right? Like the, I think is what you're trying to say is, like, yeah, the agreement can help. Certainty can help, but there's other things there and that are very important in the dynamics in the relationship. Yeah. I mean, it's the relationship for sure. The relationship dynamics. Um, and in that situation with payment of child support, certainly it resolves some <laughs> tension from a legal standpoint and the financial threat of not having support. Right. Um, and for some issues, I suppose the law will, will say to you, yeah, this is, this is what we got to do. But like the interesting part about it is that I always say to people like family law itself, isn't rocket science, 
you know? So like there are some gray areas and on certain files, there's a little bit more like latitude from, you know, A to B where lawyers find themselves. But on average, it's not the law that's making a divorce difficult, you know, like it's not, it's yeah. not the legal issues that are having three year legal battles or four year legal battles. I mean, maybe sometimes uh-huh. it's scheduling, right. That can be some of it, but like, it's very rarely a situation where two lawyers are having a discussion going, this legal issue is so impossible. We're going to lit- need to litigate it for the next four years. Right. Right. <laughs> right? So complicated or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I've certainly been on files where as lawyers, we've, you know, lightheartedly said like, well, if it was left to us, we could figure this out right away. Right. But like the reality is, is there's much more that goes into the decision-making and often there's stuff going on behind the scenes that you can't even, that you don't even want to pay your lawyer, your lawyer's hourly rate (laughs) to try to figure out, help you move through and get the process moving, moving faster. Because let's face it, most people can't afford protracted litigation, right? Mm -hmm. Like long legal battles where they feel like they spend every penny, you know? So I guess most people that go through a divorce or separation are probably only going to do it once or twice in their lives, they're not going to benefit from going through it, right? Like they're not going to know like, oh, that's what I did wrong last time, right? So they probably don't often have that self insight. You don't have the benefit of that insight when you're going through it and you're in the middle of it and you haven't gone through that experience before. So are there any things that people can be doing to avoid those mistakes that are kind of common in (laughs) ending up in protracted litigation or in thought errors or whatever it might be that are getting people stuck in the mud? Yeah. So like the majority of coaching that I do is, is mindset coaching, right? Like if you were to summarize it, it is mindset. So, um, there are, like, I would say there are six, and this largely comes from um, a book <laughs> that I'm going to reference to be sure to give credit where credit is due, um, which is by Peggy Cooper and Randall Cooper, Overcoming the Overwhelm and Avoiding the Six Biggest Mistakes, right? And so what's interesting about these six biggest mistakes that I would say people make is it is they're very umbrella mindset mistakes, but it can crop up in all kinds of areas. So for example, and this one might be the easiest one to identify, um, but sometimes we have individuals who come and say, I'm just digging, well, let me be clear. They don't actually say, I'm just digging my heels in, (laughs) but what they do is they dig heels and they have very all or nothing focus, right? So they come in and they've taken a position Uh and they either can't or refuse to see anything beyond that. Right. And it might not sound 
as obvious as I'm making it sound when it comes from a client's um, own words. But sometimes you'll hear people say things like, well, it's the principle of it, right? Okay. Or it just has to be this way, you know, things like that. And you kind of go, okay, wait a second, like what's going on here, right? And somebody is sticking to a position and not looking around to see what other options might be available. And so um, the problem with principle is that it's very expensive when you're in law, <laughs> right? Like, and I don't like, as lawyers, I feel like you, you know, Heather and Evan probably, um, I don't know if you say this as bluntly to your clients as I do, but it's like, well, sure, we can argue about principle, but it, it is going to take a long time and be costly, right? And that's the downside. So um, it's hard to make good decisions from that mindset. And a divorce coach can help you or help your spouse who's dealing with somebody who has dug their heels in, unpack that and figure out how to communicate with that person um, to broaden the perspective, right? And so it sounds like it's miraculous. Like you'll move somebody from a position to broadening their perspective overnight. It's certainly not overnight. Uh -huh. um, but I think the divorce coach's role is to spend the time to talk about that. What's like, where is this coming from exactly? What's, what is the underlying goal, you know? So if you're, um, I'm trying to think of an example. So if somebody comes into you and is like, I need the house, I don't care about anything else, but I need the house. I need to yeah. keep the house. Uh, I've got to stay in it. Um, mm -hmm. and they're kind of maybe clinging to that <laughs> yeah, with a desperation that's, um, you know, costing them, yeah, time, money, delay, all these things. Mm -hmm. Um, when you say un pack that what yeah. does that mean like you're kind of digging deeper underneath what they're saying totally so you know one of the things that I do a lot of is saying to them look what is it about the house that makes you want to keep it mm. right and usually what and I will say like get a piece of paper and empty everything that you're thinking about the house onto that piece of paper. And sometimes some things can be really surprising that come up. So somebody might say like, look, our kids were born and raised here, right? Like it has huge sentimental attachment. I just can't picture myself living somewhere else, mm. right? This has always been my house. I can't move out of it, right? right? And divorce coaching is really about like what the thinking about the problem is, right? So you're like, okay, if your thoughts are all that there is no other house for you and that this is the only house because it's always been the family house, you know, that's going to generate a lot of feelings of fear, anxiety, you know, um, maybe some anger, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And like, what results are you going to get from that when you're trying to make a decision out of fear and anger, right? Like probably probably digging in your heels and refusing to give up the house. Right. Right? right. And so the idea is to kind of look at that and say, okay, what are all the thoughts that we're having about the house and what 
are, where do you actually want to be with the house? And what are those other options for you? Right. Cause the lawyers can tell you some of the options, uh-huh. but if somebody tells you what to do, it doesn't necessarily mean that that is the most creative way to come up with a solution or that it's going to be the most long lasting, you know? So that's where the role of coaching comes in is to sort of go, okay, what are we looking at here? And what is going on behind the position statement of, I want the house or I have to stay in the house. Right. Right. Yeah. So another mistake that people often make is, which is kind of the opposite of digging in, right? Uh They throw in the towel, Uh right? They're just like, sell the farm just <laughs> i just i'm want, done you can have yeah. everything i don't want to fight anymore yes mm-hmm. i don't want to fight anymore i want this pain to be over mm-hmm. like right now yesterday mm-hmm. <laughs> right get me through this as quickly as possible and if that means i'm just signing stuff over mm-hmm. that's what i'm gonna do mm-hmm. right and like that can be a thinking error or thought error. I think Heather, you said before, just as much as digging in your heels with only one option. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the divorce coach in that scenario might go, okay, well, wait, wait a second here. You're coming from a place of total exhaustion. Probably you're worn down. Um, your desire to get out of this uncomfortable situation is overriding looking at bigger picture options and looking at how that impacts your future. Mm. Um, Which in the moment when you're just trying to escape the pain of dealing with your ex, because you're like, I can't deal with this guy anymore, (laughs) you know, um, can seem like a really good option Uh because your legal fees stop. Yeah. The letters back and forth stop. Uh Um, but you might not have properly thought about retirement or, you know, your future job prospects, um, you know, to sort of set yourself up for when the pain of the separation dissipates, you know? Right. Right. Um, and likewise, you know, it, this is kind of a variation on just giving it all away is, people who come in and say, well, I've got a new relationship, so I'm good. Right. Like I'm good. I don't need any of this stuff because I'm basically betting the farm on someone else. Um, It's a bit of a variation on throwing in the towel. And as lawyers, I think I've seen it the most frequently when, um, you're cruising along in a file, you're, you think you're negotiating, things are going pretty well. There's like, active engagement and then all of a sudden your client's like oh no it's good (laughs) it's fine right like I don't really need that anymore and you're like the demeanor has really changed on this file and I don't know (laughs) quite what it is and then you realize that your client has moved in with their new partner they're very happy they're setting things up and you're like right okay So that's what's happening. And there's kind of a disengagement from 
Um, do, you, do you make sure they signed a cohabitation agreement? <laughs> right? <laughs> Don't you put that in your closing letter, Evan, where you say, like, hey, if you ever live with someone again, just give me a call. <laughs> so that's another, like, thought error that goes into it, right? And these kinds of errors can, like, show up in different ways. Um, you know, another one is, like, ab like giving up your decision-making authority, Right. Uh -huh. So, um, sometimes you'll hear this one, you hear fairly often when you have, sometimes it's a friend or it's on a file and someone feels like, um, blaming the system, blaming the lawyers. I'm stuck. I have no control. This is all happening to me. Uh -huh. Um, and that is kind of forgetting that you, you and your spouse have all of the decision-making power, all of it. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and I think sometimes when people make that mistake by thinking they don't have that authority, right. Or I'm just going to leave it up to a judge, but the judge takes a long time to get there. Right. Mm -hmm. to, to hear the, to hear a long the time to get there and a very short time to make that decision. Evan, exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you can, people complain about the system. Yeah. System right. Problem. As though it's the system's fault. The lawyers are just sending the letters back and forth. Um, and let's be honest, sometimes lawyers are slow, <laughs> right? Like overworked family lawyers typically, um, but not realizing how much control you have over the process can be really, I think, detrimental to how long you spend in the system, uh -huh. sort of the legal system. I have a number of questions. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I have more mistakes that people make. So between the two of us, I could go on and on. <laughs> so number one is, yeah. um, what kind of training have you done for this because yeah. I didn't learn this stuff in law school. No, exactly. Right. So I've taken some divorce, a divorce coaching certification. So there is a group. My specific certification is from a group out of Florida. Um, and they are recognized by the international coaching federation, which is basically the closest governing body that a coach, the coaches have, um, that regulates the, the profession. So I am not a therapist, a counselor, a psychologist, um, divorce coaching, its own, own sort of profession. Yeah. And so, um, there's all kinds of certifications that people can take, right? And the reason why I ended up taking divorce coaching was because um, I got some coaching for myself, actually. And then I was like, wait a second, <laughs> this would be wildly useful for 90% of my clients. Um, and so that's what led me there. Yeah. I think yeah. actually both Kim's and I met at collaborative training um, and Kim McBain, but um, she also got me onto coaching and it is like, 
the power of coaching has actually kind of blown my mind. And I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'll be open about having like, I've been to psychology, to counseling, to that kind of stuff. And it's very helpful. It has a role. I have a degree in psychology, but I think that distinction of forward thinking, um, versus trying to work with the past is like, it's kind of mind blowing and it can really be life changing. And to have someone to help you to look from your situ at your situation from the outside can it really can be transformative. Um, yeah. Kim, Kim McBain butts. I liked how you were a little bit like, uh, almost sheepish to mention that you <laughs> had received coaching. The reason I think that's interesting is because it denotes that we've got this kind of stigma attached to getting help from other people. Uh -huh. Yeah, and, it's true. And, and, um, I think that is to the extent that that might prevent somebody from getting help from somebody else, whether that's a counselor, psychologist, or or life coach, or business coach, or divorce coach, I think that is too bad and a little ridiculous because, you know, like you were saying, like uh, Heather about like you know, oh, they didn't, you don't like, uh, it's not a normal life experience. Um, to early on in life get a divorce so that later on you've got all this experience to help you with all your next divorces. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, not like, it's not like walking. It's not like, um, it's not like training for a job. It's something that's a brand new experience that you don't know anything about. Yeah. And I think where my sheepishness came in when I said that, Evan, was like, I started getting, receiving life coaching, being a client of someone who was life coaching because in my head, I thought I should be able to deal with this. Right. Like, and I thought I had a time management problem. <laughs> so I thought, I, why can I never get everything done in a day? You know, um, I should be able to do this. Other people do this, right? Like lots of shaming, lots of like guilt tripping, like <laughs> comparing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think sometimes when people are looking for help, you think, well, I should be able to, right? But it's a very useless emotion to sort of shame yourself yeah. into thinking you should be able to do something. It doesn't really get you anywhere. Um, and like doing the same thing over and over gets you the same results typically, right? So like one of the things that I teach to clients early on is that and one of the things that I think, Heather, you probably like will <laughs> agree with me on this one, but um, the idea that like all of your actions that you take are going to get you your results, right? So like if I sit on the couch and watch Netflix and eat popcorn during the pandemic, I will gain weight, <laughs> right? Like those actions will result in a specific, you know, consequence. Um, and so it's really interesting to think of like, well, why do we take the actions that we do, you know? Um, and a lot of people out there kind of go, look, the actions that we take are because of how we feel. Mm -hmm. Right. And the feeling that we're hoping to get, or that we do get from doing something and you will end up in a complete loop if you keep doing the same thing over and over, right? And the thinking behind it always drives the feelings and the feelings drive the actions, right? So 
if you're stuck in a divorce that feels like it's never going to end, <laughs> you know, and you ask yourself, like, how do I get out of this? Right. Well, doing the same thing over and over again is not going to get a different result probably with your ex. And so you have to go back to like, why am I doing this? Right. Like, what feelings is it created and what are my thoughts about it and how do I get from point A to point B? But yeah, so I thought I had a time management problem and it turns out <laughs> I had a lot of negative thoughts going on in my head about work, about stress, um, that just contributed to this sort of same loop over and over. And once you kind of take control of that, I think it opens up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And are you happier now than before? So nobody's perfect <laughs> at this, I would say. So here's what I would say about that. Are you happier? Um, so my favorite life coach is Brooke Castillo. And she is on the same realm, I would say, as like Tony Robbins, <laughs> right? Like the, the self-help gurus out there. Um. And she often says life is 50, 50, right? So like, are you happier? Might be a tough question, but what I would say is when I'm not happy, I figure it out much faster. So hmm. if I'm like, man, like I'm feeling like anxious today or whatever, I have a bit of a process that's much faster to identify why I'm feeling like that, what it feels like in my body, what result I'm getting from it. And the awareness itself can shift things much, much faster. Uh -huh. So I think it sounds corny, but the self-awareness of it, which a lot of people who are like in the middle of stress and like their house is changing their relationship with their kids is changing. The carpet has been pulled out from under their feet. Like you don't even have time for self-awareness in that situation, unless you purposely make the time mm -hmm. to sort of take a step back, put on your oxygen mask, right? Like what Mary Rose said, mm -hmm. and then dig your heels in, or not dig your heels in, but dig in, <laughs> don't dig your heels in, dig in to the issues that you're dealing with. Right. Take a deep breath. Take a deep head, breath. Head in the sand and dig in your heels. That's right. Here for the long haul. Go yeah, for no. three more years of litigation. Yeah. Thank so you. So anyway, no, I'm not happier, but I think when I'm not happy, I can move through it much, much more quickly. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for answering what I should have asked, I guess, because <laughs> I realized after I asked it and you were having this complex reaction that, oh, I, I over, I oversimplified it clearly. I'm sorry, like, Evan. Oh, if you're happy, then uh, it works. But, um, no, thank you for illustrating that. It's okay. That, you know what? Most people think about it that way. Like yeah. they're striving for happiness, uh -huh. striving to be out of the pain of divorce, uh -huh. striving to change that. And sometimes the 50 50 of life is that there just will be that pain, you know? And the question is, can you move through that in a productive way to reach your future goals? Or are you going to get stuck? Yeah. 
and it's totally normal to get stuck. Like you should not beat yourself up. Like I was saying about time management, you saying to yourself, I should be able to do this, or I shouldn't feel bad about this, or I shouldn't be in bed and I can't get up today is like not helpful. (laughs) Right. Um, so totally normal to get stuck, but I think there are tools out there for people who can at way lower hourly rates than lawyers. There are tools to make your divorce be better, you know, (laughs) to to sort of get you some help with that. Uh Um, and I wish more people would knew about it. That was where I was going to jump in like a little cat here trying to figure out the lawyers are conscious of costs. They are many people might not think that, but lawyers are conscious of costs and they're conscious of bringing other professionals in that might cost their clients more money. Yeah. So, and I'm aware of this too, because I'm on the outskirts of the whole divorce thing. So people will contact me almost always to figure out what the process is. Who do they call first? Who's brought in next? How much is it going to cost? And I'm curious where, where you fit in the process. Are lawyers need to be coached to bring you in? Or are you maybe what I heard one lawyer allude to several years ago, almost like that caseworker that they're all looking for somebody who can say, come to me first, and I'll help you know what process, like what street to go down and what professionals to bring in because I'm more of a neutral party than your lawyer. So I want to know where you think you fit in and when people should be reaching out to you. Yeah. So I honestly, Kim, I think you could reach out at any point, right? I think, I mean, sure. In an ideal world with endless resources, like get all your professionals right at the outset, right? Get your team, but that's not necessarily a like practical view of who to hire. Right. Um, so I'm probably biased because I'm a lawyer and a divorce coach. Um, and I think, it is important to get good legal advice at the outset. Right. But I also think that if you find yourself struggling, things aren't moving forward, or if you have extra resources to, to get some additional help, that a divorce coaching can be very useful. Um, so it can be at any stage of the game. I think for my lawyer colleagues, what I would want them to know is that if they ever feel like they've got a file that's stuck and sometimes you can't figure it out, or sometimes you do know what the, who or who the problem is, uh-huh. um, or if they're getting like emails from clients that are, you know, where they're changing their instructions, changing their direction, flip-flopping back and forth, um, unclear, hysterical, you know, that might be a good time to have a discussion with the client to be like, okay, have you heard about divorce coaching? They might be able to help you think through this problem and be a bit more of an organized client. Divorce coaches, it's really like, you know, industry language, but they call them credible clients, right? Because as lawyers, we love to work with people who give clear instructions make good decisions, mm-hmm. listen to the advice after contemplating everything, um, and have good communication with their exes. Cause that makes our lives super easy. <laughs> but like, you know, 
So further to Kim McDonald's question, yeah, uh, what does it look like to hire you to hire a divorce coach? How does that work? Well, I think it's different for everybody, right? So um, I, I think most divorce coaches will do. Are you talking like in terms of actual? packages or hiring because most most will do hourly but sometimes you can get like a session of 12 or a session of six or whatever the situation might be right so i think i think divorce coaches try to be flexible to meet people where they're at um knowing that resources aren't resources are finite right i mean a lot of times people feel like that when they're in their in their divorce um but yeah, well, I mean, I'm, so I'm not worried. I'm not thinking so much. Yeah. I mean, that's good information to know too. It's yeah. Like, okay. Not what you're thinking. Okay. But uh, just more of like the whole, whole, like, what is experience? Like, uh, how do you start? Um, is there like an initial meeting? Oh yeah. Yeah. So it, it's actually very similar to how I run my law practice actually. So talk to somebody on the phone first, right? Um, I'm more than happy. And I think most divorce coaches are to give time to talk about what this means, what this looks like, right? Um, figure out what they, what made you call me in the first place, which is sometimes my lawyer told me to, right? Because the lawyer knows that there's a problem and the client might not <laughs> realize that there could be something better. Um, and then, yeah, it's usually one-on-one -on -one sessions by Zoom. Yeah, there are divorce coaches out there who do some group divorce coaching too, which I think could be very cost-effective if you're thinking from an access to resources standpoint, um, because there's a lot of power in being able to see and help other people going through the same thing um, and can be very cost-effective. But yeah, it's typically one-on-one -on -one or group coaching. How do yeah. they find, how do they find you? Is it on a, like a, an association website? Are there lots of divorce coaches? Are they hard to come by? No. So you don't even need anyone. You don't even necessarily need a specific divorce coach. You could hire a life coach as well, like a more generalist life coach. Uh, cause the principles are very similar. Um, and you could hire someone from anywhere in the world actually, which is kind of amazing because you have like literally the world is your oyster because of zoom. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Um, so the collaborative divorce association has a list of divorce coaches. Um, but otherwise there are tons, tons of divorce coaches who also aren't necessarily registered collaborative professionals as well, who, um, who would be, very useful in many different situations. Yeah. So we've talked about some mistakes, but I feel like we've missed some big mistakes. Did we miss them? No, I don't know. I'm, I, <laughs> you know. Oh, I thought maybe you had like mistakes from your experience, Evan. No, I mean, I mean, so you gave us a little primer beforehand. And one of your questions that we talked that are, are mentioned here is, what are some of the biggest mistakes? Yeah. Okay. Well, so the biggest mistakes I think are the mindset mistakes that I was talking about earlier. Right. So we talked about the all or nothing, the throwing in the towel. Um, 
The other one that I see crop up, there are probably two more that we missed is wanting certainty out of the process. Right. So sometimes as lawyers, we're on a file and we're cruising along and all of a sudden it's like, why did this just grind to a total halt? You know, like, why are are we moving forward? Um, And sometimes it's because one of the clients is experiencing like stress, overwhelm, worried about the future, can't make the decision, doesn't know what that looks like and just like can't see their way forward. Um, and from the lawyer's standpoint, it just looks like no action. I just haven't heard from my client for a long time, you know, and from the other person's perspective, it's like my spouse is being an ass and won't engage in the process, right? right? They're not sending letters back or the letter comes back eight weeks later for some reason. Right. Um, and doesn't answer the question really or the or whatever it is. Right. Yeah, there's no decision being made. They won't list the house. They won't go back to work, right? Like you name it. And sometimes that is one of the mindset mistakes where the spouse is literally can't take action without feeling certain, right? And like certainty is a tough thing to guarantee. Um, as well, and if you have a lawyer who's guaranteeing certainty, you should probably like report them run, run for the hills. <laughs> I was going to say run for the hills. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, sometimes clients don't even realize that that's what they're, what's holding them up uh-huh. is they think there should be certainty in it. Right. What if I can't go back to work? What if I don't find a job? Yeah. And the reality is we don't even have certainty today, let alone six months down the road, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but that is like an awareness shift that takes some time to realize, okay, like what is happening there? You know, is that what the holdup is? Um, and if that's the case, a divorce coach can work through sort of steps to go from the present self to like, where do I want to be in the future? What does this look like? You know, um, to help move that decision-making process forward. I actually had it crop up recently in, um, a situation where um, my client was looking for a lawyer, like to choose a lawyer, a divorce lawyer. And my client was wanting the lawyer who could get her what she wanted. And so at first you just think, oh yeah, okay, this is unreasonable. And as lawyers, you're like, oh, like watch out for that client, right? (laughs) But interestingly, the core of it, when we talked about it further and explored what she was really looking for was that she wanted to know that her outcome was certain, right? That she would have care of the children. And if that's your standard for hiring a lawyer, it's going to take a long time to, to make that decision. So I think it crops up more than we, more than we think it does. You have two people in, do you have a couple in the coaching session with you? <laughs> I do not. Yeah. I, I don't think you would see that in divorce coaching, um, situation. It's more common that each person would hire a divorce coach. I think now having said that, um, I think there are some divorce coaches who would see 
each person separately and then sometimes help the lawyers or the communication on the file. Right. Yeah. I don't think it would be common to have both people coach together, like at the same time, that would be more like probably a therapist's role, like a marriage or counseling therapist's role. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, and then the cost of things. So, I mean, to me, it sounds amazing coaching. Everybody should have a couple sessions with a coach, get things yeah. set off on the, on the right path. Mm -hmm. And especially a lawyer doubling as a divorce coach, because you'd probably be conscious of the positional thinking. Mm -hmm. So, um, if I'm doing a budget with somebody, they contact me and they're like, I'm doing this, Kim, what could I put in the budget for coaching? Is it a one or two shot meeting? I'm sure it's different for everybody, but what, what's the cost of it? Yeah. So typically one or two, so divorce coaches will do like one-off sessions if you want them to, for sure. If you're like, I have, and I would say the cost is anywhere in an hourly rate. If you were going to, if you were going to do an hourly rate anywhere, you could find coaches between $95 an hour to $250 an hour, I would say would be your sort of rough range, depending on where you're looking and who you're hiring. Um, and certainly one-off sessions are available. What I would suggest though, is that for the results that someone would want, which would be like clarity tools to help decision make a one-off session is probably not going to cut it take some time to develop rapport with the professional you're working with um and i think i think what a one-off session is probably not enough but still better than nothing so you know one or two sessions might be good if you have a very specific issue that you're trying to unravel um, but I think typically people can benefit from a longer term coach for during their divorce. Yeah. But if your reality is that you've got a budget that you're working with, you know, um, being upfront about the budget with legal fees, with divorce coaches, therapists, financial neutrals, um, is always good. So the professionals know like, this is what we're working with and where should we allocate the resources? Mm -hmm. So why are you doing this? Yeah. I mean, you did mention like, okay, I saw, you saw the value that something like this can bring to your legal clients, but that doesn't answer the question. I don't think, why are you doing it? Yeah. So one, the part about family law that I like, there are some parts that I don't like, <laughs> <laughs> but the part that I like the most, um, is actually the people aspect of it, which is not every family lawyer's jam, <laughs> right? So I could talk forever with my clients about what's going on, how things are going, right? But the, the reality is your client doesn't want to pay you your hourly rate to chat about their feelings, <laughs> their goals. That's not why they're there. So like, I am doing divorce coaching because I really enjoy it. And I honestly feel like it is so valuable to have a tiny shred of self-awareness mm -hmm. in the divorce process. I 
think you could reduce your legal fees in certain areas significantly if you took the time to take care of yourself and to have that sort of broadening of perspectives. <laughs> because I think that's like a huge where people go wrong, right? Is they don't take the time to do that. They get into the legal process. Letters are flying back and forth. Things get bad at a exchanging a kid and then it just never gets back on track, right? Um, so I do it because I have seen over and over and over again how bad it can be if you don't take some time to reflect. Nice. Uh -huh. that's, a, that's the answer I was looking for because, um, I mean, not that I like set it up that way, but I just wanted to get to the root of it because it clearly like, it's not because this is a better business opportunity than being a lawyer. <laughs> you just yeah. described how no. the fees are like, uh, you know, starting at $95 an hour. I, I don't know of any like articling student that bills that low. That's right. That's about the same as a legal aid file. Right? Yeah. 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 No, it's not. Well, I shouldn't say it's not lucrative. It's not currently lucrative. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, but I, mean, I, I just wanted to point out that like the motivation yeah. here is not like, Okay, I found. I finally. I found the way I'm going to become rich. That's not your motivation. No, <laughs> no. You're going to charge twice as much. <laughs> no, the motivation is like really like. Honestly, I and the more you know about coaching and the things people are that are driving them to make their decisions, the more it's like a neon sign when you're talking them to them as your lawyer and you're like oh my gosh, like this is all happening <laughs> and you need a coach, right? <laughs> but when I'm your lawyer, I'm not your coach. I try my best, but that's uh -huh. not what they pay you for, right? And uh -huh. so it really, it just becomes so obvious that this is like such a good area to reduce the length and time of your litigation, to help you bounce back after divorce, to improve your relationships with your kids, maybe your in-laws, maybe your spouse, if you, if you want to co-parent in a productive way, um, that I just see the value in it so wholeheartedly. <laughs> so that's why I'm doing it. That's great. We need people like you doing things like that for those kinds of reasons. I mean, um, it's, it's very common to see people that go are going through a divorce, especially with children, where they obviously don't like the other person. Um, of course, they're getting a divorce and don't want to have a relationship of any kind with the person, but there's children. Mm -hmm. So it can take them a while to figure out that you cannot totally sabotage the relationship with the other parent because you have to have an ongoing relationship mm -hmm. until those children are adults and beyond. Yeah. And I think as lawyers, we say that to people a lot, or at least I do like, Hey, this is going to be someone that you're going to be going to the same, you know, your grandkids are going to have birthday parties that your kids might want you both to attend that. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know? um, and, and, and time heals a lot of things. Let's be honest. Like by the time your kids are 
30 and having their own children, maybe the passage of time has made things better. But like, if there was a way to shorten that time from like really hurt and being really angry to being in a place where you can be in the same room to celebrate birthdays, to watch soccer, um, to have a conversation with your ex's new spouse, like, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to do that? You know, to like get there faster. Yeah. Right. A place think, where you can do that and you're happy about it. Yeah. Yep. And I think divorce coaching can be very helpful that way. And not just because it helps you think about maybe your relationships differently, but also because it can, I think it can shorten the div- actual divorce process, which will help um, get that piece of the puzzle behind you so that you can move forward with other things. Yeah. Hey, McDonald, do you have anything, any other questions that you've been hiding over there? No, I had a list and you and Heather were doing so good. I was just quite happy to kick back here. I mean, I'm, I'm always obsessed with the money and the cost of things. And got that out. And also, my second obsession is process. How do people know what to do? Like nobody knows what to do when they're thinking about divorce or they get surprised with the divorce um, and they sit there thinking, well, who do I call first? Is it my best friend? Is it a lawyer? How do I find a lawyer? They don't, I don't think people think about divorce coaches is maybe a first call but Mm. the more I hear you talk him the more I think that maybe that is a very valuable first call and um and people need to very much consider you or any other divorce coach but you especially because you're awesome um as as somebody who can help them right and people are looking for help so well, yeah. And like, it's really interesting. Cause I think that's what most people do. They talk to their best friend who's been divorced mm-hmm. as their first stop and their best friend gives them a whole lot of advice who, and the best friend knows what an, you know, fill in the blank swear word, <laughs> the spouse is, you know, and so it's very difficult to have someone objective, um, mm-hmm. or have objective information from the best friend. And then they call a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I think those are the two people they call first. And as a lawyer, I mean, how much do I love the clients who would show up and be like, I've put some serious thought into this, <laughs> you know, um, I've hired a divorce coach and I'm ready to make decisions. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. as lawyers, we'd be like, Oh my God, this is the best client that I could have possibly had. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think it would probably make it easier to find a lawyer who will take your file if you show up super calmly, confidently, mm-hmm. and ready to sort of get to the business of divorce, um, which is really what the lawyers and I think the financial professionals like excel at, right? It's like the business end. Yeah. You know? Um, and man, you'd have your pick of lawyers if you had those kinds of phone calls with them. Yeah. <laughs> As Heather would even take you. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> you literally could call almost any lawyer in the city and be mm-hmm. and and have your choice, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're a client that lawyers want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Speaking of Heather, um, what do you got squirreled away there? You got any questions that we haven't gotten to? 
Um, I guess it's more like of a thought, just sort of as a lawyer, I think what you've really driven home for me, Kim, and if there's other lawyers that are listening is like, there is that thing of like, when you said people sometimes are abdicating their decision-making, I find sometimes people are trying to abdicate it to me. And they're saying like, well, you just, you just decide what's best or which one is the best one for me. Um, and often that's a really tough question that has no answer in law. It has an answer in them as a person and their values and their interests and their needs, which, I mean, as a collaborative lawyer, I have some of those skills in that training, but I think a coach could really get right in there <laughs> and bridge that gap because lots of times deciding between keeping the house and selling the house, I'm like, well, these are your two legal options. Legally, they're roughly equal, <laughs> like, um, but there's so much so many other things involved in that decision and I can really see where that would be super helpful um, for someone like you to help with that conversation and help them work through and make sure that they've got that security and and they feel good about that decision that they're making yeah um, other than like me emailing them and being like well I don't know like do, do you have anyone <laughs> trusted that you can discuss this decision with yeah or me trying to help them out or coach them a little bit, but I'm not as skilled or as trained as, as you are. So, well, and it's funny because as lawyers, you're often like, well, here are the legal pros and cons, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. And like for decision-making generally, you gotta like your reasons for the decision that you're making. Right. right? And reasons aren't necessarily pros and cons either. I mean, it might, they might overlap, but they might be different. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, and there's so many non-legal consequences to legal decisions that we make. And and yeah, as lawyers, we can flag some of those. But um, again, like, okay, like I picked some things up from my life experience and from my experience with my clients as a lawyer, but I'm, I'm not a trained psychologist or a coach. So I can only help you so much down that road. I can, but I, what my my knowledge is about that I've taken training about is the law. Mm -hmm. I can help you with that. That's where I, lawyers can really, uh, that's where our area of specialty is, is the law. And uh, there's so much more, especially in, in family law, there's so much more tied up in there. So um, to expect like a lawyer is going to solve your problems is. uh, Yeah. And your lawyer is not going to ask you things like, okay, if you're looking at these options, which option would make you, or which decision would make you the proudest, which decision would make you, or would be the most cost-effective, which decision is the scariest and why, Uh, right? Like that's the stuff that you're never going to get an email from your lawyer like that. (laughs) Right. Um, or like which decision is, um, you know, like makes you feel the best, you know, or the worst or, you know, any of those, like there's all different sort of lenses that you can even look at decision-making and the lawyers just give you one of those, which is really, truly like the legal consequences. And so I think the divorce coach can help you uncover all those different, um, lenses that you might make decisions or that you might, um, face in the divorce process. Uh-huh. And so Kim McBain butts, is there anything that we have not talked about that you've been dying to share that we just haven't gotten around to yet? 
Well, I think we've covered, I feel like we've covered it. <laughs> I feel like I've rambled a lot for you guys. I'm passionate about this topic. So sometimes it comes out a little bit, like a little bit much. <laughs> no, you've, you've talked a lot, but you have not what I would say rambled. You have oh, that's rambled. good. Cause I rambled. could like, yeah, I mean, you could give me like a full three day seminar and I could go crazy. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I found like, I didn't know anything about divorce coaches before this. And, uh, I feel like I've learned a lot over this well, that's good. time. So I, I think it's been great. It's been great to have you on. Thanks for having me. Well, that, uh, that wraps up another episode of access to justice. Heather Mallard, do you have any, uh, anything to add? Nope. I don't have any parting words of wisdom today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for joining us and uh, we look forward to uh, hearing from you next time. Just remember if there's any questions that you have for us, email them. Kim McDonald, what's the email address they can oh, send? Oh no, them? you put me on the hook. I don't want to I've got it. Access to the number two justice podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. See, I knew you had it, Heather. It's on the website. I'm on it. It's on the web. It's on, definitely on the website. <laughs> I, I'm slow on the uptake today. I'm now realizing you were trying to cue me to provide that, <laughs> that email address. <laughs> All right. That's it. Talk Bye, to you guys. Thanks so much. Any information in this video is general information only and is not, nor is it intended to be, legal advice. Watching this video does not create a lawyer-client relationship. You should always seek the advice of a lawyer or other qualified professional for advice regarding your individual situation. While we take care to ensure that the information contained in this video is accurate and up-to-date, we make no warranties or representations as to the suitability, completeness, or accuracy of the information contained in this video. Any reliance you place on the information is at your own risk. Kahane Law Office, Merrick Law, Heather Mallorick Professional Corporation, Evan Clark Professional Corporation, Evan Clark, Heather Mallorick, and any guests will not be responsible nor liable in any way for any content, including but not limited to any errors or omissions in the content, or for any loss or damage of any kind incurred as a result of any content communicated in this video, whether by Evan Clark, Heather Mallorick, or by a third party. Kim McDonald is a financial advisor with Raymond James Limited. Information provided is not a solicitation, and although obtained from sources considered reliable, is not guaranteed. The view and opinions contained in this media are those of Kim McDonald, not Raymond James Limited. Securities-related products and services are offered through Raymond James Limited, member Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Insurance products and services are offered through Raymond James Financial Planning Limited, which is not a member Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Raymond James advisors are not tax advisors, and we recommend that clients seek independent advice from a professional advisor on tax-related matters. Graceful fingers intertwine, comfort gladdens.